I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The only thing standing between the Rams and a much-needed buy, the Carolina Panthers. Hope you're having a great week, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us, J.B. Long, and my friend and colleague, DeMarco Farr. What's happening? Thank God they got a soft touch before the buy. You know? Tell me more about soft touch. I need, I need, I need this. Okay, not San Francisco, not Dallas, not Buffalo. How about that? I agree. I mean, this might be the worst team in the National Football League as it stands. In my estimation, it is the quote-unquote easiest win on the Rams' schedule, which is not to say that given the state of affairs in Carolina or Los Angeles, that'll be anything but grueling. Uh, to get there, to get to the winning finish line on Sunday to give yourself a chance to regroup and maybe bring in some reinforcements before San Francisco comes to town. Nothing's easy, especially when your offensive line is playing the way it's playing right now or the guys you have to trot out there. So everybody's defensive line immediately goes up two notches against you. But I agree with you. This, This should be one the Rams win easy, so to speak. They just fired their head coach. They're coming in with a backup quarterback. Not just a backup quarterback, a backup to a backup to a backup at quarterback. They're number four, yes. essentially, coming into right. training camp. Right. This would be their, I know he's not Luis Perez, but for the familiarity of Rams fans, if you remember Luis Perez, the training camp arm, that's who P.J. Walker was to this depth chart a couple of months ago. Now, he does have two wins in the National Football League. Uh, he's more than capable. He's still got Christian McCaffrey, don't get me wrong. Uh, but yes, this is teed up for the Rams to get right. They need to capitalize. But I will say, I think this week more than any other in my, now what, uh, seven years? Yeah. Is about the Rams. You're playing a nameless, faceless opponent this week. They're just generic NFL team on the other sideline. I don't care what colors they're wearing. I need to see more from the Royal and Soul. Know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's about the Rams, but we're trying to figure out who they are right now, the Rams. It's a soul-searching type of moment right now, yes. Definitely. I, I know they're, like we said, uh, going in the last week, we said top-heavy on defense. Offense, I think the identity is you're still trying to figure it out right now, or you're trying to keep Matthew Stafford alive. Uh, you know, look, uh, I, we don't give him enough credit for being as nimble as he is in the pocket, because if not, this would be a whole lot worse than what it is right now. So it's interesting you say that because I was thinking this week about how Stafford, while not a mobile quarterback, is among, I think, the league's best at at resetting the launch point as he moves towards the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. Right now, center, guard, guard is the weakness of this offensive line. And the the rush is, is coming at him from in front. And he's not a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray or someone who can he can spin out of the pocket and throw against his body out on the perimeter. He needs to feel an edge rush. And it's sorry to demonstrate this in real time. I know our radio audience can't see this. He needs to step up in the pocket. He needs to climb. He needs to hitch and let it rip. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. some of his best work is done that way. That's when his no-look game, that's when his arm angles all come into play. That's being taken away from him right now. His escape hatch is forward, I feel like, as a quarterback. 
and there's no room on his front porch. No, I, they're just they're bringing the heat. And sometimes you've had guys get beat. Uh, I think that was Edwards that gave up the first sack, I believe. Edwards turned Bobby Evans for much of the rest Absolutely. of the game. Yep. Quick, uh, it, look when you when you win that fast up the gut, either through the A gap, B gap, the center guard gap, or the tackle guard gap. When you're immediately in the quarterback's face, there's almost nothing that guy can do but just kind of protect himself, chuck and duck. But I thought Stafford has done a pretty good job of moving around in the pocket to at least free himself or save himself from a big hit. And he's no fool. I mean, this yeah. is a, a savvy veteran who can manipulate the pocket. You're right with the best of them. So if he's been sacked more times through five games. Then he has twice any, that. Then, <laughs> then any other point in his career, you know something is desperately wrong. And at the risk of sounding like Groundhog's Day here, let's just reset it for a minute, okay? Yeah. You, t- you tell me if I've got the sequencing and, and the interconnectedness of this correct. The Rams are about to start their sixth offensive line combination in as many games we figured this Sunday against the Panthers. They simply cannot run the ball, and it's been a long time since they've run it efficiently. Like going back to last regular season, I'm talking And that's not just a function of their offensive line's issues, though they do play a role. They can't finish drives because they can't run the football. And too often they find themselves in known passing situations. So you're getting go-for-broke looks from the defense because they know you're one-dimensional. And when you can't protect your quarterback, Stafford's now been sacked, like we said, more times through five games than ever before because he's chasing points from mo- most of their three losses. Yeah, trying to come back, trying to bring the team back, so to like speak. Like the yeah. line in front of him can't protect Stafford, and and neither really can Sean McVay because yeah. his, his play sheet is like at 10%. It's truncated, no doubt. Um, and you talk about run the ball efficiently and consistently. I would. I don't mind saying it. I'd like to see more Daryl Henderson at this point. I really would. And that's I, look. I love Cam Akers. I was his biggest supporter. But there's an issue there running the football. So give someone else a shot at it because you need to be more consistent. Because I, like I said, the last thing, the best thing about last week was Matthew Stafford came out of the game healthy. That's the best thing about it. And I mean, that's without Dallas not trying to knock his head off. So. You can't have a repeat performance of that again. So you need to run the football. So if it's not going to be Cam, give Daryl a shot. Maybe you'll catch lightning in a bottle. A couple of things I want to follow up on right there. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. This is a week six edition of Rams All Access. So much to get to as we preview Panthers and the Rams before their bye week, including four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents territory, with the Panthers trying to regroup after a weekend of disarray. On the point about Stafford. And I want to get back to Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, absolutely. I think there is a a season of this season where the Rams, if they can get the right pieces back in place, can compete with the Buffaloes and the Cowboys and the 49ers of the NFL. I really believe that. But it's going to take some time, and it's going to take a lot of progress. But if you get to that point and Matthew Stafford is beaten up or gone, right? What What's does it matter? Point? What's the point? And that's true of <laughs> yeah. Cooper Cup equally, I would say. And, and mm. maybe to the next uh, degree of truth of Tyler Higby, given how thin you are at tight end. And so yeah. there's a real tension right now between the only way to get a win is to put your absolute best out there. But last week and Monday Night Football before that, I saw an exhausted and an injured Higby Cup, Stafford, absolutely peeling themselves off the turf. Time and time again. I saw the same thing you saw. Yeah, you know, I'd look, uh, who was it? Oh my God, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he coached in Green Bay. He's from the Bay Area. You know him. 
Um, Mike Holmgren, uh, he used to tell his players, we care about you, but we don't care about you. I love that, right? But that's kind of how I feel about Cooper Cup. Look, he's your best weapon. He's the guy you have to go to the move to move the football. You're going to have to find a way to stay healthy. Same thing with Tyler Higby. So you're the best options they have in the field, so be it. But one thing you cannot do is let your quarterback get beat up at all. You have to fix that as soon as possible. So running the football, better pass protection, hopefully that happens. But Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, you're just going to have to go the, the hard road. That's just the way it is. Unless somebody else in that room gets sick of those guys getting – more targets than you and decides to do something with the football when you get it and you know who i'm talking about i mean there is an element of other than cooper cup targets aren't winning for stafford before and after the catch reliably enough they are not winning often enough and there's these are players the rams either drafted or targeted in free agency alan robinson tutu atwell jacob harris even bryson hopkins will be back from suspension this week i think that group combined has 13 catches so so far through through five games not enough Uh, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, but let me get to the running game because I, I think whether or not that's the crux of the matter, that is... Um, Look, I saw some lanes. I did. When I w- went back and watched, there were some opportunities. Absolute, a lot of opportunities Absolutely missed. they were, yeah. but my question coming back for you is if, if... Well, one, they cut Jake Funk this week, which is not... You know, small potatoes compared to what we're talking about. He was picked up by the Saints. But if you just flip backs... Is my perception correct or incorrect that Daryl Henderson, I think, was drafted in a stage of, of offense for the Rams where they were an under-center, outside-zone team? And I think he's really good at that. We, we've seen some Beat of his best to the pylon guy. Yeah. Now, now they are mostly a drop-back, shotgun, empty, offset gun construct. And I'm not sure that Daryl is as effective a runner in that paradigm. Am I wrong? No, I think you might be right there. I'm not saying he can't run between the tackles. Right. It's not something that you're born to do or actually want to do, but it might be something you have to do. You know, or or let Malcolm do it. Yeah. I mean, or let Malcolm do it or let someone else do it. But I, I think what I saw versus Dallas with Cam Akers, uh, there's a timing issue there. Maybe he takes too long to get into a rhythm. And if you're struggling offensively and you're off the field, there's going to be more problems there. But with Daryl, at least you have the ability of a home run hitter because all you need is a crease and he's gone. So somebody else to take the defense, to to take the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. At Mm -hmm. least you have to honor the speed out of the backfield. Uh, But anything to give this offense a spark to to balance out what we're seeing defensively. Uh, I want to get back to the offensive line to wrap up this segment. And I want to bring Sean McVay into the conversation because you asked him, I think critically about this on the coach's show, And there's some things that he can accept, among them the fact that San Francisco and Dallas in particular have some of the best pass rushers on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to lose some reps, but there are mental mistakes that he can seemingly no longer tolerate, and, and that may lead to change as soon as Sunday. I can understand, and I have tremendous respect for the caliber of athletes that are on that field week in and week out, whether that's our own guys or the opposing team. What I don't have tolerance for and what we can't have any tolerance for are the mental mistakes where you leave free runners. Um, the things that take no talent, but just the focus, the concentration, the communication, whether that be verbally or visually, that you have to make sure that when we've got five or six guys committed to a protection, that we're blocking the guys that we're supposed to be blocking. And we're on the same page with regards to those things. Those are the things that... Um, 
we don't have tolerance for that will get cleaned up. And if they don't, then then we got to be able to figure out who's capable of doing that. Now, obviously, all five up front have to get better. I'm not giving anyone a pass on this, but I think we can put some names to criticism here without connecting too many dots. Unfortunately, David Edwards is, is on injured reserve. He's hmm. back in the concussion protocol, and I feel terrible about that. Um, they started Jeremiah Colony at center next week. He's a a college free agent from back in 2018 that they have released at the end of every training camp since he came out of San Jose State. And they put a lot on his plate going back to Monday Night Football uh, against the 49ers. In fact, I learned this week, did you know this, that he was in the San Diego Police Academy the last time they called him last summer of 2021 to rejoin them in training camp. Like, I did not he, know that. He had, he had wow. moved on wow. essentially to another portion of his life and career. Bobby wow. Evans has stepped in a couple of times. He's currently ranked 75th among 75 qualifying guards, according to Pro Football Focus's grading. So I'm not saying that they've got tons of options behind these players, but I do feel like Matt Skura and or Ode Abushi are going to get a chance because the definition of what insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like They're walking a fine line right now between giving – the players who have had their chances time to improve versus needing to make change for change's sake and hope for a different outcome. Man, look, uh, this is a whole lot of uh, just a bunch of different line combinations. I can't tell you what this does to, to defensive players on the other side of the football. I mean, it really just gets you jacked up because you know they're struggling. They're, tr- they're trying to come together on game day. You can get into their snap count. You can get into their line communication, and you can exploit it. That's what Dallas did, if you ask me. That's how Demarcus Lawrence, besides being pretty good, got such a quick jump off the football. He could tell when things were coming. So what Sean McVay said was the last thing you need is your center guard tackle all stepping left and the other two stepping right and no one picking up that free rusher up the gut. I mean – I saw Mark Bolger go through this. I saw Mark Bolger go from a guy that really wanted to win, really wanted to get to the Pro Bowl, to a guy protecting himself all in eight games. I mean, really. I mean, you just get sick of getting hit from from free-running guys that are supposed to be blocked. So, I mean, at some point, like you said, the guys in front that are starting are going to have to get a whole lot better in a hurry, or you're going to have to start making changes right now. You talk about the opposing defense salivating at the opportunity in front of them will last uh, the Carolina Panthers and their representative about that coming up on Rams All Access. Coming up next, I want to know how the Rams defense is feeling about all of this because they have played well enough in the last couple of weeks to be 4-1 and one instead of 2-3, and three, but they're not. What more can they do and how long can they hold it down until the offense gets right? That's our next topic coming up on Rams All Access 710 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The defense, and only the defense last week, I have DeMarco giving up 13 points. I subtracted nine for the defensive touchdown for the Cowboys, and the blocked punt turned into a field goal. At San Francisco on Monday Night Football, I've got the Rams defense giving up 17 points, having subtracted seven for the pick six off of Matthew Stafford. And as we know, in week three at Arizona, only 12 points and zero touchdowns. I'm not saying this is the best defense in the National Football League. I'm not saying they can do they can't do better. They can. They don't have any takeaways, for instance, in the last three weeks. But it's tough when half of your roster, half of your facility is playing winning football and the other half is not holding up their end of the bargain yeah uh when when one third of the team is doing well uh it's funny when that happens and you have to give them a lot of credit for holding dallas to a field goal on the block punt right give them give a ton of credit short field right didn't surrender a first down from that point but i think there's a lot of areas where they can improve and there were a lot of areas where dallas just flat out missed on third down i don't think the Rams stopped them on third and short you know, so there's some there's some situations there where they can they can obviously improve on defense, but keeping them out of the end zone is job number one. Great job, uh, but still, this is like we said, a top heavy defense. If not for Aaron Donald rushing the passer, who's there? If not for Jalen Ramsey making big plays, who else is making big plays out of the secondary? And Bobby Wagner has been about as steady as you can get. So every now and then, there's a sprinkle of the other guys, but you're going to need more than that. Even now versus Carolina. To win a football game, especially when your offense is still trying to find I think you pinpointed it. They've got three outstanding all-pro caliber players through five games. And then they got a bunch of other guys right now mm-hmm. who have shown up or been invisible in, in varying degrees over the course of the weeks. Um, but in, in a way, are they telling on themselves when you see Aaron Donald lined up over a tackle? Well, you know what's coming. You're singling him up for that one-on-one, so you're kind of making it obvious, but if you slide the line to Aaron, which is what you're supposed to do, you're going to force guys to go one-on-one backside. And I would feel comfortable as an opposing offense going one-on-one with everyone else outside of 99. We saw a little bit more from Leonard Floyd. I think we saw a little bit more from Nation Robinson last week. We saw a lot more of Greg Gaines. Yeah. So hopefully some of these other contributors are rising to the occasion. Uh, I saw a play by Greg Gaines. I saw a play. I thought, okay. and, and at least Leonard Floyd fixed his GPS. He now knows where the quarterback is. So you're heading in the right direction. Now let's get there in a hurry. <laughs> and it seems like the secondary is getting healthier. Although yeah. I have to compliment Darion Kendrick and Grant Haley and those who have been filling in, Terrell Burgess. Uh, a lot know, of credit. I mean, that that secondary is the defensive version of what's going on on the offensive line for the Rams. Right. But Let me the, qualify. But, but the reserves have performed far better on defense. Respect for Haley. You just got here. Terrell Burgess, look, you're a seasoned pro now. He missed a tackle on that touchdown run by Pollard. So did Nick Scott. So those are your safeties. Those are your guys, your last line of defense. When something does pop, you're expected to get the guy on the deck. So I think that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. And as a caveat to all the fine defensive statistics I laid out at the top of this segment, DeMarco, Cooper Rush didn't beat them last week because Cooper Rush didn't have to beat them this week. And I'm not saying P.J. Walker for the Carolina Panthers is going to come in and set the world afire. Um, But nonetheless, the defense, I think, has given the roster a chance to win. And uh, whether it be on special teams, missing a field goal, or having another punt blocked, Mm -hmm. you're right. There's one phase right now that has played winning football, and that's Raheem Morrison Company. Solid. Absolutely solid. They do a great job of of getting ready week in and week out, and everyone's on the same page, regardless of who's on the field. So, uh, yeah, you know, I wish 
really did. I wish it was Baker Mayfield coming to town this week. Why? Because I'd like to see him get hit. That's just me. That's a personal thing because of all those commercials. I do. You don't think he's? I think he's the best athlete actor going right now. I think the he's best a, actor athlete. I think he's a far better commercial maker than he is NFL quarterback. Oh, f- far and away, absolutely. I enjoy his commercials. You said active guy, so I guess that would that would leave out Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's your best pitch man quarterback ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. But I just like to see Baker like run for his life. It's fun like that. But the next guy, PJ Walker, went back and watched him play against Detroit. Um, kind of reminds me of Kyler Murray in stature. He's not very big. But he gets the ball out quickly, and he can move a little bit. So the degree of difficulty to get to the quarterback just went up with this guy because he can run, he can move. We've already talked about the usage rate for someone like Cooper Cup, who accounts for just a disproportionate amount of the scrimmage yards for the Los Angeles Rams. That's Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And he's a... He's a horse. He's good. He's really good. Um, and I, I th- Carolina is, is about to have a fire sale. That's a rumor. Um Maybe Brian Burns is going to be out there as well, another pass rusher, just throwing that out there. Uh, But Christian McCaffrey is a guy that can hurt you in a variety of ways. And I think he is a top-flight, between-the-tackles runner, the way he gets skinny in the hole. And he's great at reading blocks and reading defenses. But out of the backfield, that's to me, is where he makes his money. That's his matchup nightmare problem for any defense so uh, this will be a, a, like all hands on deck to stop a guy like him uh, his only career game against the Rams McCaffrey went for two rushing touchdowns and over 200 scrimmage yards in fact the third most scrimmage yards by McCaffrey in his career that was the 2019 opener uh, that the Rams won 30 to 27 against a declining Cam Newton, let's say, no doubt. in the Panthers. Remember that one? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, watching, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey getting ready for him and watching what Zeke Elliott, just him, and what he did to the Rams defense, that five yards of carry type stuff. When I said he's al- he always looks like he's running, like falling downhill. Same thing with McCaffrey. But it just goes up a notch because he can pound you up the gut and he can also beat you out of the backfield. So it's even worse than what you saw. Mm. The good news, and I feel like we need a little bit here. Let, let's interject on this edition of Rams All Access because it's not all doom and gloom. Two and three hurts. I think the underlying metrics make it all the more sour. But only one team is ahead of them in the NFC West, DeMarco, and we'll go through the NFC West uh, in our final segment here tonight. Um, those are the Niners. They'll be here in two weeks. All the other teams in the division right now are two and three, and, and a couple of them play head-to-head uh, this Sunday, the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. I'm just trusting that if you can get to a victory Monday and a bye week off a win at 3-3, three and three, better things will be in store for the Rams as they prepare to face the 49ers in the rematch. I would say so, absolutely. I Look, that game up in San Fran was close until it wasn't. Even when it, it got out of hand or when the Niners were, you, you can tell they were going to win the football game, the Rams were still there. So uh, even though they were out hit, the Rams still had a chance to tie the game up and possibly win it. So the next time you see them, things could change, especially when you get guys back. So, but I think job number one is beat Carolina. Get into the bye, get healthy, figure out what you're trying to do and who you're trying to do it with. One of Chuck Knox, when I came in as a rookie in 94, the thing I took from him him was you got to know who to get and how to get them. Does that not speak to the offense right now on the offensive line? You got to know who to get first and then how to get them. As in, like, who your assignment is? Who's, and how to who's get, your assignment and how do I get to that guy? Not, like, who to get on your schedule and how to get no, them, no. like, how to accumulate wins. When you break the huddle and you turn around as an offensive line, you got to know two things. Who to hit or who to get and how to get them. 
that's that is base level football right there. I think that's where the Rams are or need to get to uh, offensively to get back on track. I mean, if they get to the bye at three and three, they're in line to get some pieces back, like you said. Maybe that's Brian Allen at center, for instance. Um, some pieces of their secondary. You might be able to bolster the roster at the trade deadline and beyond. We know that Odell Beckham has been a subject of conversation again this week. He's got a knack for that. He's very topical, if nothing else. As he, he stays relevant, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> and in my estimation, there's still a path to double-digit wins. I know that sounds ludicrous right now at 2-3, and three, and that's not, I think, the spirit that uh, the fan base wants, wants to hear about. Yeah. But double-digit wins is almost certainly going to be good enough for a playoff spot in the NFC and could be enough to even win the West. And that's where my focus is. I know we touched on this a little bit in our previous show but like i'm not willing to concede bigger things bigger goals but i'm focused on being better than three other teams right now win your division win the west absolutely because there's nothing wrong with that there i mean take care of business you've already taken care of arizona you got to start your series with seattle but first up is carolina then you've got to go beat that juggernaut up to the north if you can beat them i think things change mm-hmm Speaking of things changing, uh, Sean McFay, I think, had some interesting comments to us on Monday's Coaches Show about where he is with respect to personnel. And look, this is this is not the SEC. This is not Alabama bringing up your next five-star scholarship player. There is no AAA. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you can't you can't bolster your bullpen uh, with a hot prospect. There's no transfer portal. <laughs> There's no transfer portal. This is the National Football yeah. League, and and your roster and your practice squad is about all there is. And believe me, if there were viable options out there, either on the street or on other practice squads, they'd be out there. They, yeah, they'd be they'd be in house with the Rams right now. No doubt. There's a, this is a salary cap environment. This is a one-in, one-out type of situation. Um, but I do feel like Sean McVay is on the verge of, of holding some pieces of this roster accountable. I don't necessarily have names to affix to this comment, but this is what he told us on Monday during the coaches' show. I think it is a balance, and I think it's a responsibility that you don't take lightly, but you have to be decisive in what you think is best. And so there's a lot of decisions as it relates to just, okay, how do we not – press the panic button but how do we address things that need to be addressed and some of the things are out of our control but the main thing is is we've got to be decisive in our decision making that everything that we do is geared towards whether it's our process our preparation our planning and then ultimately some of the decisions with regards to our personnel what gives us the best chance to try to go win a football game get the three and three against the Carolina Panthers um, and then we'll have a lot of stuff to look at over the bye um, as it relates to moving forward hopefully you get some guys back but the those are things you don't take lightly. Being able to have that balancing act is is something that uh, you know is is exactly that. It is a balancing act, but but one that I think decisiveness and thorough thought through things um, need to be in consideration uh, with all of the things that I mentioned. I mean, I think this is as trying a moment as Sean McVay has experienced in his career for for different reasons than you might say in the depths of 2018 or. 2019 the only year they missed the playoffs or even 2020 when they made the difficult decision to move on from Jared Goff Uh, you know when I'm listening to Sean McVay talk like that the first guy I think about is Andrew Whitworth and how much he helped in the locker room sure just doing the little stuff even just being a professional going out to practice everyone doing the same thing running to the football just the base level stuff uh, that that any team needs to 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 be re-emphasized um but that stuff needs to start at practice um if you want to hold groups and people accountable then so be it you got to call everybody out even if they're playing great even if they're making big plays for you on game day if you're not 
being a good example of what a pro should be in a situation like this, that needs to be called out because all that shows up on Sunday. Hmm. So it's about McVay and it's about his coaching staff. It's also about uh, some soul-searching, I think, on behalf of the players. And I know you and I don't necessarily take this as a great sign of the way things are going right now in Thousand Oaks, but when Rob Havenstein tries to fill that void left by Andrew Whitworth and closes the door and gets his position group to, together and says, hey, players only meeting right now, it's now or never. These are some of the changes we need to, we need to make. At least that's ownership, that's accountability, that's, that's trying to account for some of what you lost with big wit yeah i mean look it's it's you're you're trying to rally the troops you have two kids right i do imagine if your two kids had a kids only meeting and kicked you and mom out of the room how does that make you feel on the other side of the door uh we'd be out on a date (laughs) and thanking our lucky stars and we might give them a contract extension you might. I know. But, I know you're going, and that's not what you're looking for. I'm but that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, it's like, what? Are are we the problem? Are you saying we're the problem when you kick us out of the room? But I get it. I mean, I've done it before with other with with my players, with my teammates. Hey, let's get together. We need to be more accountable. There's some stuff I need to say to you, my teammate, directly that I don't want the coach hearing. But what this does is create a divide between coach and players, because it, it's it's telling it's kind of telling the coaches. Either we don't agree with what you're teaching us, or we need to say stuff behind your back. One or the other. You know what I mean? I mean, I looked at it the other way, where the coaching staff might say, thank goodness someone other than our preaching feels the need to step to the front of the room and deliver it in a different voice. You know, I I thought that too. But every coach I've asked about, like Vermeil and all the guys that have coached me throughout the years, when they hear players only meeting, they shudder. They don't like it. Interesting. They, They do not like that. Yeah. Only time will tell. We'll find out Sunday what progress the Rams have made uh, given the chance to actually practice uh, and get their footing after a short week and a loss to the Dallas Cowboys to send them to 2-3. and Coming up, it's our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Four-down territory for the latest on the Carolina Panthers as they try to pick up the pieces with an interim head coach and another quarterback. You're laughing. How come? (laughs) Date night. (laughs) We're out of (laughs) here. It's mid-October. Haven't had one in a while. How about you? What's a date night? I don't even know what that is. (laughs) You're listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. We continue with this week six edition of Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr will rejoin us momentarily. I'm J.B. Long, and I'm pleased to be joined by the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Anish Shroff, for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. It's year one on the job with the Panthers for Anish, but of course you know him from his fine work uh, calling games on ESPN. How you, how you doing? How's your Thursday so far? Thursday is good. Uh, Thursday is good. It gets hairy once we get to the weekend, but Thursday is generally stress-free. I hear you. And as for the week in Charlotte, I know this is a big picture way to start, but how would you summarize it given the coaching change? You know, there's been a lot of emotions, um, but the general sentiment, as weird as it sounds, is probably relief. Um, This was hanging over everybody's head really since the season started. There was speculation at the end of last year, would Matt Rule be back? Would he not be back? And when the decision was made to bring him back, you know, it sort of turned into this week-to-week thing. And once they started 0-2, you would go to work Monday and everybody in the building would be wondering, is this the day the other shoe drops? And really the big thing was, if you look at the schedule, four of the Panthers' first five games were at home. And what Matt Rule had to do was win over the fan base and really win the fan base, which he hadn't done in two years. The vitriol, the toxicity, uh, the narrative, just the sentiment had been so strong in the opposite direction. 
So you wondered out loud, hey, the first four or five games, there's a chance to get off to a good start. It's a softer schedule. It's an easier runway. If you're sitting at three and two or, or even two and three but have shown signs of growth, it probably buys you the season, but it was the way things just spiraled, um, starting 0-2, you know, really folding in the fourth quarter against Arizona. And then the optics of last Sunday were tough when it was probably at least 60 to 65% San Francisco 49er fans in your building. And then to lose that game the way they did, um, we walked out Sunday from the booth thinking, yeah, I, I'm not sure if this thing makes it to another week. And so uh, they made the change. But Steve Wilkes, who's the interim coach, has a ton of street cred with this fan base. He's got a ton of currency with this fan base. He's a Charlotte native. He went to high school here. He played his college ball at App State. He played in the Arena Football League for Charlotte team. And remember, he was the defensive coordinator when times were good, when they won three straight NFC South division titles when they went to a Super Bowl. So you know, bringing Steve Welks is sort of this tie-in to better days. And just from that, I've noticed fan perception and fan sentiment has changed uh, over these last few days. Interesting. All right, Anish is our guest on Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And it's not just a change uh, at head coach, but also potentially at quarterback. At this stage of the week, are we confident it will be P.J. Walker behind center against the Rams on Sunday? I would be surprised um, if Baker Mayfield played. So, you know, just from what I saw yesterday and what Steve Wilkes said at his press conference, uh, the sentiment was, listen, if Baker can't practice, uh, P.J. Walker is going to be the guy. Baker didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. So that leads me to believe P.J. Walker, who, believe it or not, is 2-0 and as an NFL starter and one of those wins came against a Matthew Stafford quarterback Detroit Lions team a few years ago. Uh, I'm led to believe P.J. Walker would probably be the starter on Sunday. Yeah, the only time Matthew's been shut out in his entire NFL career. Uh, Anish, what else on the injury front? I'm I'm seeing J.C. Horn. I know there's some uh, issues in the secondary, especially at safety. What would you highlight in terms of impact uh, on Sunday's game in terms of the injury report from Carolina's view? Well, yeah, it's going to be significant because last week – by game's end, they were down four defensive starters, and really three of those are key core guys who they look to as foundational pieces. So start on the back end. Jeremy Chin, who's their stud safety, is out. He's on injured reserve. Xavier Woods, I would expect back this week. He practiced on Wednesday, was a full go. He didn't play last weekend. He's the other safety. He's the big communicator on the back end. Frankie Louvu did not play last week. Frankly, he's been the team MVP this year. Um, He has been an agent of chaos, forced to fumble against the Saints that led to a scoop and score, had a pick six against Arizona, had four TFLs against the Giants. He has been their best player, period, and he was out last week. He was a participant in practice on Wednesday, so I would expect Luhu to be back. Uh, And then J.C. Horn is going to be one to watch. Um, I don't know how much people have come on to him nationally, But if you look at the pro football focus numbers and you look at all the advanced metrics, a second-year guy who only played three games last year before a season-ending foot injury, he's been one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, He's somebody that can shut down your top guy. I think QBR was around 27 on passes thrown in his direction. 
So that's one to watch. They told us it was a hip injury that he left the game with last week. He's now on the injury report with a rib injury. So uh, if J.C. and Jeremy Chin don't go, those are your two best uh, defensive backs. All right, Nish Sharaf is the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Looking forward to welcoming him to Inglewood and SoFi Stadium for the first time this weekend. It's week six in the National Football League, the Panthers and the Los Angeles Rams, and this is four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. Nish, final question, as I'm sure you've uh, learned in your preparations, the Rams are having a hard time protecting Matthew Stafford right now. Uh, maybe the most uh, disrupted offensive line in the National Football League. How are the Panthers equipped to exploit that raw nerve? Very well. Uh, Brian Burns is off to a great start. He is uh, pass rushing, defensive end, a first-round pick a few years ago, uh, was a pro bowler last year for the first time and looks poised to take that leap. So you got Brian Burns, and then the real surprise this year, and I wouldn't call it a surprise because Derek Brown was a top-10 pick in 2020 coming out of Auburn at D-tackle. He hadn't been consistent his first two years. Derek Brown has probably been the second-best player um, and one of the more consistent players on this defense after Frankie Bouvu. He's been blowing up plays. Uh, you know, you guys see it every week with Aaron Donald. Donald shows up in the box score more than Derek Brown. But the way that he's been able to beat double teams and the way that he's been able to get in the backfield and given the issues the Rams have at the center position, to me, you know, in that A-gap, that's a matchup that Derek Brown has a chance to win and has a chance to be real disruptive. So um, the the D-line was a bit of a question mark for the Panthers going into the season. Since week one, when they got gassed by Cleveland, it's been a bona fide strength. I think a poor man's Aaron Donald can make a lot of money in this league, don't you? Uh, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. He's finally putting it together, and, and you'll watch him. I mean, this guy looks like Kilimanjaro on cleats. He's a big guy. He moves well. He's finally starting to figure out who he is as a player and not trying to be an Aaron Donald, not trying to mimic what other guys do. He's sort of gone back to, okay, this is what I do well. I'm a guy who can bull rush. I'm a guy who can use my hands and use my leverage. Um, and he's sort of figuring out, hey, don't try to be somebody else. Play to my strengths. And it finally feels that, you know, two-plus years into his career, the Panthers have unlocked uh, Derek Brown again, who was drafted you know, with the top 10 pick in 2020. Well, Anish, uh, I don't have the seniority to welcome you to the fraternity necessarily, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to doing it uh, this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Happy for you and, and your family, and thank you for carving out some time for us on Thursday. Where can the uh, folks see you this weekend in college football? We'll be in Bloomington, Indiana, Maryland and Indiana, and then uh, the adventure begins in trying to get from uh, the great state of Indiana to uh, <laughs> to Englewood. Okay, so you're going from Big Ten country to Big Ten country. Well, I guess <laughs> if you put it that way, that's right. Yeah, you know, a few years from now, Maryland and USC will be a, will be a conference game. There you go. All right, have a good rest of your week of preparation. We'll see you at SoFi. All right, look forward to seeing you, bud. All right, Ishra from ESPN and from the Carolina Panthers. DeMarco Farr is back next for a look around the NFC West, plus the latest installment of our playoff eliminator game. You're listening to 710 ESPN. Final segment of Rams All Access. Hope to see you Sunday at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood for the Carolina Panthers and the Los Angeles Rams. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB. Long still to come. Before we're done, our installment of Playoff Eliminator, and it's uh, my honor, and I am taking a team this week 
Uh, DeMarco has the Texans and only the Texans. Yeah. More on that still to come. But I first, think we're going to take the same team. Watch. But go ahead. All right. <laughs> Let's go around the uh, NFC West. And uh, right now, the San Francisco 49ers are at the top. Everyone else is two and three. Kyle Shanahan returning to face the Falcons in Atlanta for the first time since he was their OC from uh, 2015 to 2016. That was, of course, during the uh, Falcons run of the Super Bowl when it did not go their way against the Patriots late. Uh, San Francisco, per usual, found some traction against the Los Angeles Rams, and now they're on a winning streak. Didn't they score another defensive touchdown versus Carolina? A pick six? Mm -hmm. So uh, they're starting to believe, and you can see that on film. It just jumps off. Uh, That group is starting to come together. Um, An offseason of turmoil seems to have galvanized this football team at least on the defensive side. So this is what they do. They beat you up, and they want to win on that side of the ball. They'll come back from Atlanta 4-2. and two. Any any doubt in your mind that San Francisco is going to roll over Atlanta? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. There really isn't. Um, you know, they, they are starting to take some injuries, right? I think Emmanuel Mosley was the latest uh, on their front. But, yeah, this is – this is a deep and talented defensive roster, and I feel like they're back in their comfort zone with Garoppolo at the controls. Absolutely. And look, he does – you may not like what Garoppolo does. He may not fit your fantasy football team or whatever, but what he does is play great 49er football. He really does. Yeah, yeah don't put your team at risk. Throw it to your playmakers. If not punt, they'll play defense. The other game in the West features the 2-3 and three Cardinals traveling to the Pacific Northwest to take on the 2-3 and three Seahawks. Uh, I want to ask you about two things. One, are you buying what Geno Smith is selling? And then two, I feel like when the Arizona Cardinals next face the Rams, which is coming up uh, in November at SoFi Stadium, they're going to be a different team. I feel like their passing attack is starting to find some traction. Hollywood Brown is working Mm -hmm. with Kyler Murray. When the Rams faced them, they got just a shell of A.J. Green. He was injured. They got no nuke, no DeAndre Hopkins. If that changes by the... By the next time the Cardinals and the Rams play, Arizona might be in position to to reverse their fortunes uh, in that series. You know, if you can ever figure out the formula to get Kyler Murray to be engaged in every single game and fired up, you've got problems. You really do. I mean, that little guy can control a football game. He can play keep away like nobody's business. But it's just when he gets on the field with Aaron Donald, things change. But at some point, that guy grows up and he's not afraid anymore. That could be coming down the road for the Cardinals. My question to you is, who are the Rams rooting for this weekend in Seattle? Arizona? I root for Seattle to bury Arizona. Really? You've already got the win over Arizona. You you fear Arizona's upside more than Seattle's. I want to bury them with NFC West wins. I really do. So the more times they can lose in the division, great, because I think you have their number on the field. Seattle, different deal. It really is. What about Seattle, especially their their metrics uh, and and what Gino's doing? It's top end stuff right now. It is. I'm looking at his numbers. Let's see. Is that fool's gold, or do you think it has staying power? Seven touchdowns, one pick in the last three weeks. Um, I think that's pretty darn good. You know, uh, his last QB rating was one thirty nine point seven. He was good coming out of school. He really was. I mean, who won that trade right now with Denver? I would say Seattle is winning right I mean, now. Way too early to say, but yeah, you, right you see now. what I'm saying. So, and I remember when the Rams were up there last year, and Geno Smith just kept trying to win the game. He was not ready to go. So, 
it seemed more than a guy auditioning to me. Like, this guy wants to be the starter. So, yeah, I believe in what Geno is. is I, I'm buying what he's selling. I just don't know if the roster around him is good enough to really compete for an NFC West championship. But as far as quarterbacking is concerned, yeah, that guy's a problem. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether Seattle's a different team and whether the Rams can be a different team by the time they finally get to December and see those Seattle Seahawks, right? Like, get Van back, get your offensive line back, or at least what what's left of it and yeah. in the blink of an eye like the 49ers are going to be in their rear view mirror and the arizona cardinals are going to be behind them on the schedule and in terms of division games it'll be focused purely on on the seattle seahawks who knows which i like you do yeah. <laughs> yes i really do like that all right uh time for playoff eliminator week six edition quick refresh for our audience each week uh, demarco and i draft or don't draft uh, teams that we think are going to miss the postseason they're cooked in our estimation. No matter mm. where we are in the schedule, we've seen enough to know that they are not going to be a part of January football. Now, for every correct prediction, you get a point. But if you pick a team and they stay in your portfolio all season and that team makes the playoff, you are finished. So, got to be conservative, uh, but you also have to be strategically aggressive. Oh, yes. Uh, as it stands, I have three teams in my group. You only have one. I have the Jets, who are resurgent. They're 3-2, and two, but I'm still comfortable with it. I have the Falcons, 2-3. and three. They're home to San Francisco, as we said. And I have the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe I jumped the gun on the Seahawks. Look we'll out. see. Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, and I have the first pick this week. You have the 1-3-1 and one Texans. That's it. And you have the 1-4 and four Raiders, I forgot. Yes, you I do them, have the Raiders. You're you took right. them okay. last week, and they had an early lead in Kansas City on Monday Night Football, but the Chiefs were able to come back on the strength of uh, Kelsey and Mahomes. Did they suspend Devontae Adams yet? Uh, Coming soon, though, right? I I have not seen anything on the wire to okay. that point yet. I, I did see that there is a uh, a suit against him yeah, from yeah. the photographer, though, okay. maybe? Okay. Uh, so, on my watch list this week, because I have the T, you picked the Raiders last week. Go ahead. Uh, the Steelers at one and four, the Commanders at one and four, oh. the Lions at one and four. That's an easy one. Two and three Saints, two and three Bears. But that's you know an easy who I'm one. going with this week? Who? Who? The only team that's fired their coach so far. The, the team, the team <laughs> playing the backup to the backup to the backup at quarterback this week, and the team that's coming to SoFi Stadium this week. Going all in on the Rams this week, and I'm trusting that they can spill the Carolina Panthers to one and five. I think you're right. Exactly the Carolina right. Panthers are in my playoff eliminator pool. No love for PJ Walker, huh? No love for Steve Wilkes. Not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. I realize I'm flirting with disaster here. Yep. But I am confident. I like Carolina it. is my answer. Final answer. Okay. All right. You, I can pick one, right? You can de- definitely make a pick. Uh, you know, um, I'll pick. Uh, you know, I want to pick pick pittsburgh i i really do um but i can't because it's pittsburgh can you really pit, pick pittsburgh to not make the postseason even at one and four i mean one and four is pretty steep yeah and let's see who they have this week uh the tampa bay buccaneers okay that's one and five home to tom brady and the buccaneers they could be thinking like you're thinking because that division I still think is wide open, even though Pittsburgh is is down right now. So by that token, I smell dysfunction. I'm going to pick the Commanders. Okay, absolutely, Commanders. It is. I think that team is a mess. 
You've got your boy Carson Wentz. Didn't uh, Ron Rivera just throw his quarterback under the bus? Yeah, yeah he was and asked about the, <laughs> the, the difference in the rebuilding projects across the uh, the East. Yeah, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, all ahead of where Washington is. And he said the difference: they've got the quarterback. Ouch, ouch! And Carson Wentz is his guy, right? He's he's, he's kind of the pincushion. He's isn't there. He? Yeah, yeah. Ouch! I'll pick the Commanders. Yep. All right, Texans, Raiders, Commanders for DeMarco, Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, and now the Panthers for yours truly. We'll update the playoff eliminator I hate the Commanders. I hate that name. I really do. I had just settled on Washington football team and thought it was pretty sticky. I like that one. Yeah. Why didn't you stay with that? Mm. Okay, never mind. Don't know. All right. As long as we're not talking about the other element of the Commanders in the news this week. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Final thoughts on Panthers and Rams. Uh, I say gotta have it. I say gotta have it, must win. You say... Can't lose. I think we're both right. It's a fine, fine <laughs> distinction, maybe without a difference. But here's why I say it's not a must win, is because it's still October. Yeah. It's not a division game. Too early for for must win. Too early for must win. But not too early for can't lose. Can't lose. Two and four going into your bye with San Francisco next and really some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time on the other side of your schedule. Okay. It would be dim. I think we're saying the same thing. I you know We are saying yeah, the same thing, yes. but I'm trying to phrase it <laughs> appropriately. Either way, uh look, job one, regardless of outcome, and I hate even saying that, regardless of outcome Sunday, the one thing you have to do is start the game with Matthew Stafford and finish it with Matthew Stafford. That all has to do with protection. So uh, if the Rams play their best game, you should walk all over Carolina. If not, you're going to walk into another buzzsaw. That's just the way it goes. I'm thinking about protecting Matthew Stafford, and I I do sense that there's going to be a change in terms of how they approach that. I think there's going to be new options, and I think with a full week of preparation, you'll see better results. But I also think given the construct of the current Rams, I I think his sideline might need to protect him too, right? No doubt. Absolutely. And, and that means if it, if in a known passing situation, you need to throw a bubble screen or hand it off and punt and play defense, it's a tricky position to be in where, given what we just said, you have to find a way to win this one, but you also want to play the long game True. for, for what might be ahead for, I think, the nucleus of this team. And I, I don't think either one of us are willing to surrender on the nucleus no, of this team. We are in agreement there, sir. Yes, All sir. Right. Uh, tough times, tough show to talk about, but uh, Victory Monday can bring a whole different vibe. And a bye week to rest on a win on 3-3, three and three, I think, can change the entire mood around the Rams organization and fan base and prospects for the season. Sunday at SoFi, uh, the Rams spending the entire month of October, it feels like, at home. Can they capitalize? We'll talk to you on the radio side or see you in person in Inglewood. For Adam Bronstein, our producer, DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. This has been Rams All Access on 710. ESPN.